بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان ودعا بدعوتهم واستنى بسنتهم واقتدى بهديهم إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في محكم تنزيله بعد نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فإن آمنوا بمثل ما آمنتم به فقد اهتدوا وقال تعالى اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا صدق الله العظيم My dear respected brothers and sisters, respected elders Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh It is very important that we understand the difference between deen, iman, and Islam. And this is not just a theoretical discussion that we learn the meanings of these terminologies, but it has a practical application in our lives. Deen is any way of life that we lead the life pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a life of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any of the ways of living a life is considered to be a deen. The Yehud have a deen, the Christians and the Jews, and atheism is a way of life. Materialism, worship of material in dunya is also a way of life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Say, O disbelievers. And at the end he mentions, لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَالْيَدِينَ You have your own deen and we have our own deen. Any way of life is deen. It is a very general term. And from amongst all these deen, plural adiyan, the one deen that is acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that way of life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the Anbiya alayhim salam the prophets of Allah, and they, they showed the mankind this way of life, this acceptable way of life, is known as the deen of Islam. So deen is a very general term, and Islam is a specific deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for example, in the Quran, in the deen in the Islam. Amongst all the deens, the only deen that comes in the eyes of Allah is the deen of Islam. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whoever adopts any other deen besides the deen of Islam, then that deen will be rejected, will not be accepted in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Islam is a deen, it is the only deen acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the way of life as sent down by the Prophet throughout the centuries, culminating in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as the final Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the natures of this deen of Islam is that it is complete. It can, nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken away from it. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Today I have completed my deen upon you. Wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati. And I have completed my favors upon you, O Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa al-islam deenan. And I have chosen Islam as your deen. So nothing can be added to this deen. This is one of the last ayats from Surah Al-Ma'idah that was revealed upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Hajjat al-Wada' in the final pilgrimage uh, on the day of Arafah on the ninth day of Zul-Hijjah it was the day of Friday and this ayah was revealed this is a very monumental ayah one of the Jewish rabbis he came to Umar ibn Khattab عنه, and he said that you have such a beautiful ayah in your Quran if it was revealed upon us the Jews then we would have made it a day of celebration but you have forgotten about it you don't even remember when it was revealed so Umar said, which ayah are you referring to? And he repeated this ayah. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. 
So Umar said, why are you saying we do not remember it? Of course we remember it. It was the day of, of Jumu'ah. It was the day of the ninth of Zul-Hijjah. It was the day of Arafah. In the tenth year of the Hijrah of Rasulullah We very well know the day. We know the date. We know the year when this ayah was revealed. And we have not forgotten it by any means. And then... This deen, nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken away. It is complete. Rasulullah said, Whoever innovates and adds something to the deen of Islam, that which does not belong to it, it will be rejected. Likewise, Rasulullah said, That every new innovation that is made, tried to be made part of the deen, which is not part of it, it is a bid'ah. And it is deviation and will lead towards the fire of Jahannam. So it does not increase and it does not decrease. It remains constant. On the other hand, the third term that we have is Iman. And what is Iman? Iman is the tasdiq. It is the belief in the heart. Tasdiq al-qalb. It is the conviction in the heart regarding the truth of this message of Islam. And the nature of Iman is that it is within the heart of the slaves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the place of Iman, it resides not in the books, not in the speeches, not in the pages of history, but where does Iman reside? In the hearts. Allah Ta'ala mentions the place of Iman where it resides is the heart. And this level of conviction is different from Islam in the sense that Islam does not increase and decrease, but Iman most definitely increases and decreases. The Iman of the Anbiya is continually increasing. The Iman of the angels, they do not disobey Allah, they do exactly as they are told. That remains constant. But our Iman, it increases based on our environment and it decreases based on our environment, external factors. If we are in an environment of righteousness and virtue and taqwa and amar bil ma'roof, invitation towards good and forbidding from evil, and the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that then our iman will increase. On the other hand, if we go to an environment where the sins of Allah are, uh, are taking place, disobedience of Allah is taking place, and all forms of ma'asiyah are taking place, then our hearts will be affected by that environment and our iman will decrease. In Kitab al-Iman in Sahih Bukhari, Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi has a whole chapter on this point the chapter on proving that iman increases and decreases and he mentions many ayats to prove this point and many hadith of Rasulullah one of the ayat he quotes there is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says innamal mu'minun alladheena idha dhukirallahu wajilat qulubuhum verily the true believers are those that when the name of Allah is mentioned وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Then their hearts begin to tremble out of awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their hearts begin to tremble out of awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ And when the ayats of the Qur'an are recited amongst the believers, زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا Then their iman increases. وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ And they are those who rely completely upon their Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They lay their reliance on Allah. They trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are those who establish the salah and they spend from that which we have provided them. 
These are those who are the true believers. They are the only ones who are the true believers in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the Quran is recited, when the ayats of the Quran are recited amongst the believers, their iman increases. This is a sifa of the believers. We have to check ourselves. When the ayats of Quran are being recited, does that increase our iman or not? And we find that anhu in his very famous incident, when he was in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he found that his iman was so strong, so strong, he says as if he could see Jannah in Jahannam with his eyes. And he could see the day of Qiyamah. But then when he went back home, he found himself to be in a different condition. He was not at that same level of, of higher level of ihsan. And then he was very doubtful about his condition. He was very upset when he found this difference in his condition. And he jumped to the conclusion, perhaps this is hypocrisy. Perhaps this is a nifaq. That I have a different attitude and a different condition in the presence of Rasulullah And then when I am at home with my wife and kids, then I'm in a different condition. Why is there change in my condition? So out of an abundance of precaution, and doubting his state, he reached this wrong conclusion and he came out into the streets and he started screaming, Nafaqa Hanzala, Nafaqa Hanzala. That Hanzala is, is, is a munafiq, is a hypocrite, has become a hypocrite. When he came upon Abu Bakr Siddiq, anhu, he stopped him and he said, Why are you uttering such words? This is the difference between the Sahaba anhum and ourselves. That we are so satisfied with our level of iman, we are so content with whatever condition we are at, that it never crosses our mind to doubt ourselves and to worry whether our actions are worthy of acceptance or not. We feel that we are guaranteed acceptance and everything is fine and well. Whereas this was a companion of Rasulullah and if there was anyone who could be satisfied, he would be amongst them as they were guaranteed Jannah by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran Allah had promised for them gardens underneath which rivers are flowing Allah had promised that he was pleased with them and they are pleased with him and he has prepared for them gardens underneath which rivers flow so they had all of these promises to rely on to be satisfied with to be content with but he was still so doubtful that he reached this conclusion and Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu calmed him down and he said why are you saying this when he mentioned his, his fear and he said that this is my condition that I find it different in the presence of Rasulullah and I find my condition different at home then he said well I do not want to pass in judgment regarding myself the way you did so quickly but I find the same as well I find the same change let us go to Rasulullah and ask him and see what he has to say what is his judgment regarding us so then they came to Rasulullah sallallahu and they narrated their condition. Rasulullah sallallahu said, that, O Hanzala, O Abu Bakr, you are, you are true mu'mins. You have true iman. And this fluctuation of iman is normal. You cannot continue to remain at that same state of, of the upper level of ihsan as you are in my company. If that would be your condition, then the angels would descend and would be making musafaha with you and would be shaking your hands at all times. So do not fear, continue to remain steadfast on your faith.
So what is the definition of Iman? The definition of Iman is that it has three parts. The most important element is the first element, and that is Tasdiq al-Qalb. Tasdiq al-Qalb means conviction in the heart. At-Tasdiq bi-jami'i ma jaa bihin Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ijmalan fi ma ulima ijmalan wa tafsilan fi ma ulima tafsilan. Min ghayri imarat al-takzeeb. Min haythu annahu rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That we have the conviction, deep-rooted conviction in the truth of the entirety of the message conveyed to us by Rasulullah whether in the form of the Quran, whether in the form of the Sunnah. Where he mentioned the details, we mentioned we believe in all of those details. Where he gave us something in brief, we believe in that in brief. Without adopting any sign of disbelief, without adopting any sign of disbelief, a person is not making prostration to an idol and then says, I believe in Allah, in Rasulullah That is a sign of disbelief. He's wearing a cross and then he says that, no, I am a believer, a Muslim. So this is an imaratut takdeeb. We cannot adopt a sign of takdeeb. And we believe in this message, not because he is a very intelligent person, very wise person, and that is why we think it's best, in our best interest to follow Rasulullah because he was a great philosopher, he was a great leader, he was a great general, he was a great genius. But rather we listen to what he said and we believe in his message, مِنْ حَيْثُ أَنَّهُ رَسُولُ from the perspective that he was a messenger of Allah, speaking on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many people who say, and nowadays when we talk about Islam to non-Muslims, we like to quote these non-Muslims who praised Rasulullah sallallahu and they said he was a great person. But if they deny his prophethood, then all the praise is of no benefit on the Day of Judgment. All the praise and to say that he was the greatest man, he was the greatest genius, he was the greatest... Uh, revolutionary leader who brought the downtrodden people and gave them liberty and justice and he established a beautiful state these are all uh, sounds nice and great and makes us happy uh, but if the person does not believe in the risalah in the prophethood of Rasulullah that he was a recipient of divine revelation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had selected him from amongst the slaves to receive his divine revelation and convey the message to mankind then he has really degraded the position of Rasulullah He has not upgraded him, he has not honored him, he has disgraced him, he has degraded him, he has not believed in that which sets him apart and makes him unique with respect to the rest of the humanity and rest of mankind. So we should never become so impressed with these words and lose sight of the actual maqam and position of Rasulullah He was all of the above, of course. Even physically he was the most beautiful human being. But we believe in him, that he was the Prophet of Allah, he was the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the strength of that belief, that is Iman. And that is the most important element of Iman, is the belief, the tasdiq. And then, as far as ijra'ul ahkam worldly injunctions for us to apply and to recognize is the person a true believer or not, then there is one shart, one condition. And that is called Iqrar bil-lisan bil-shahadatayn. One is to testify with the tongue. So testification with the tongue, this is a condition for worldly injunctions. Meaning, if a person in his heart he believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says, in his heart he recited the kalima ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah and he believes in all the cardinal aqaid and the seven articles of faith, amantu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rasulihi wa liyawmi al-akhiri wa al-qadri khayri wa shari min Allah ta'ala wa al-ba'ati ba'd al-mawt. So, 
this is between him and his creator between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that person will be a true believer because the most important element of iman has been fulfilled but with respect to all of mankind and rest of society how do we know he's a true believer so if the question comes is it permissible for a Muslim girl to marry this man the hukum and the judgment will be no it's not permissible if he slaughters an animal the hukum would be the animal would be haram and more greater disaster is this person dies, then he will not be given a Muslim janaza, nor will he be be given a ghusl, nor will he be buried in a Muslim graveyard. No one will pray salah over him. So whether it comes to nikah, whether it comes to zabiha, whether it comes to any of these injunctions, and most importantly, death itself, then he'll be treated as a non-believer. He'll be treated as a disbeliever, as a kafir, because he did not. Uh, testify to his faith with, and have witnesses to that. So that is why testification, verbal testification, is a condition for application of worldly injunctions. Between him and Allah, he may be a believer, but you cannot treat that person as a believer because we, he did, simply did not inform the rest of the Muslim society. So that is why verbal testification is absolutely important as well, to recite the kalima with the tongue. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And the third element of Iman is Amal Bil Arkan, is that with our body parts, we act in accordance with that Iman that is in the heart. Because the reality of Iman, Rasulullah said, Al Iman Uma Waqara Fil Qalb, Al Amal. The reality of faith is that it, it, it resides in the deep recesses of the heart, it penetrates the depth of the heart. But it will be proven through the actions of the body. So the actions of the body will prove that there is Iman in the heart. So this is the third element of Iman. The A'mal. The A'mal should be in accordance. The actions of the body should be in accordance with that faith that is in the heart. So that with the person uses his eyes in a manner pleasing to Allah, uses his ears in a manner pleasing to Allah, his tongue, his hands, his feet, he's moving in a direction pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the third element of Iman. But if there is a deficiency in this, a deficiency in the practice, in the a'mal, a person ends up missing some of the fara'id and obligations. Or a person com- ends up committing in that which is a sin, a kabira. But as far as his heart is concerned, if you ask him, do you believe the salah is farat? He says, yes. Then did you pray your salah? Unfortunately, no. So what is the position of this person? This person is a Muslim or a non-Muslim? So this is our aqidah of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, that we all believe that a person who believes in Islam and Iman but if there is a deficiency in his actions, we will not expel that person from the fold of Islam. This is very important. Because there was a group that deviated in the past, they were known as the Khawarij. And this group, one, in one of the aqidahs that they separated from the vast majority of the Ummah of Rasulullah is that they said, Al-Murtaqibul Kabira, the one who commits a major sin, is Mukhallad fin nar will enter the fire of Jahannam for eternity and is expelled from the fold of Islam. And this is an aqidah that's not just in the history books that the Khawarij had, but they took it the next step further. First of all, they started off by saying the one who commits the major sin is expelled from the fold of Islam. And then when he is expelled from the fold of Islam, that means he becomes a murtad, he's an apostate. And if he becomes an apostate, then the final conclusion is, therefore, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, killing that person would be an act of virtue. And they did not believe in the central authority of Islamic government. They believed in vigilante justice as well. 
that everyone can enact his justice and will be rewarded. So what is the conclusion? Anyone who commits a sin, can, his blood can be spilled and can be killed by any citizen who is a true Muslim. So this is a very, very dangerous ideology. And nowadays we are living in such a time where we have this group called ISIS, the so-called Islamic State, uh, and they are reviving this belief of the Khawarij of the past. So that is why they are going into different areas. Whoever does not believe in their Khalifa Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, whoever does not follow their understanding of the faith, they believe that spilling their blood and killing them is very much lawful. It's an act of virtue and reward. So that is why we have to learn our own history. We have to learn about these groups. This group came about in the time of Ali radiallahu anhu, one of the first groups that came out from the Muslim Ummah, the first deviated sect, the Al-Khawarij. Kharaju. Khawarij comes from the word Kharaja to come out. They came out. They were part of the group of Ali radiallahu anhu and Muawiyah radiallahu anhu's time. And they were loyal to Ali radiallahu anhu. But after Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu made sulah and reconciled with Muawiyah radiallahu anhu and he said that we will not continue to fight. We will set up a tahkim. And tahkim was we will have arbitrators on our side and your side together and whatever these arbitrators decide Amr ibn al-As Abu Musa al-Shari these sahaba whatever they sit down together and decide then the entire ummah will follow that decision so they said that this is kufr they're telling teaching Ali these new converts these new Bedouin tribes who never saw Rasulullah stayed in his tarbiyah and they're telling the cousin of Rasulullah son-in-law of Rasulullah the first youth who entered the fall of Islam, the third person of this ummah, after Khadija and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhum, the third one who accepted Islam is Ali radiallahu anhum from the age of nine years, who grew up in the shadow of Rasulullah sallallahu they're telling him that you committed kufr. Why so? Because Allah ta'ala says in the Quran, in al-hukmu illa lillah. All authority lies with Allah alone. So, when Ali radiallahu anhu sent his other cousin, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu is a cousin, and he Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib sallallahu alayhi And he is Ali ibn Abi Talib ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu. And he had another cousin, Abdullah ibn Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu. These are all three cousins. They're all grandsons of Abdul Muttalib. He sent his other cousin. He said, you are the Ra'isul Mufassirin, the leader of the tafsir of the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu The one Rasulullah sallallahu made dua. He said, Allahumma faqihu fi deen wa allimhu ta'wil. Oh Allah, grant him understanding of deen and grant him knowledge of tafsir. Go and debate with them, explain to them. He talked to them, this group of khawarij, and at the end he became despondent. He came back to Ali radiallahu anhu. And he said some very famous words that are often used by the scholars on various occasions to describe how people take statements of the Quran and misuse them. He said, karimatu haqqin urida bihil batil. They are narrating a statement of truth, the word of Allah, but they have evil intentions with the statement of truth. Karimatu haqqin urida bihil batil. Statement of truth with the evil intention. So they say, inal hukmu illa lillah. Authority lies with Allah. And now you have given authority to this arbitrary council. So therefore you have committed kufr. Therefore one of the khawarij himself, he had a beautiful name, Muslim name, Abdul Rahman ibn Muljim. He became the assassin and he killed Ali radiallahu anhu when he was going to perform the Fajr Salah. So these khawarij, they killed the khalifa, and they created bloodshed in the ummah, and these khawarij are there today as well. So we have to be very clear that our aqidah is very unambiguous uh, uh, on this point, that the one who commits a sin is not out of the fold of Islam, nor is that person 
is someone that can be killed, nor is that person, Mukhallad fin nar will be eternally in the fire of Jahannam, but that person will be a sinning believer, will be considered a fasiq. And because the ulama are those who are educating the people this, that is why wherever these ISIS go, the first attack that they do is not Yehud, Jews, or Mushrikun, or killing non-Muslims. The first primary people they kill off are the Sunni ulama, the ulama of Haqq. They have assassinated hundreds of muftis in Iraq, in Syria. They kill off the ulama of Haqq, because the ulama are those who are pointing out their faults in their ideology, in their thinking. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from this fitna, and allow us to have the correct aqidah and to know the distinction between iman, islam, and deen and to have a correct understanding of these basic concepts.